0: Sound the alarms, fire up the hot stove. We have another trade. True story. I was sitting down to edit fantasy baseball today. We already had it in the books, and then Lance Lynn was traded to the Chicago White Sox. Scott. So in 2020, for Lance Lynn, he was great. Top 10 pitcher in top 10 starting pitcher in Roto. 17 and a half fantasy points per game. That was SP 12 in points leagues. Now moved from Globe Life Field over to Chicago. More of a hitter-friendly park that he's going to have to pitch in, but he'll also have better run support. What does this do for Lance Lynn's value heading into 2021? Does he move up? Does he move down? Neutral? What do you think? I don't know that I'm actually
1: adjusting him in my rankings. I have not him 17th among starting pitchers right now. and We talk about him actually quite a bit later in the podcast because we break down a mock draft where I take him. I have some concerns about Lance Lynn just... How good is he really? Because, you know, compared to 2019 when he broke out in a big way, obviously a late stage breakout, he's already in his 30s. Uh, the swinging strike rate was down. The XFIP was pretty high, actually. It was, I, I want to say it was about 430.
0: 4.34. Yeah. 4. 4. It was a whole run yeah. higher than his 3.32 ERA. Now, his XERA, that's
1: the StatCast measurement based on, um, you know how likely the batted balls are to become hits, among other things. Now, it, it, it gives him a, a very favorable XERA. So I, I'm not putting it all on the XFIP here. Obviously, a really strong two-year trend for Lance Lynn. And more than anything, we just know the workload he's going to deliver on that, going 7-plus with great consistency in a year where we're not really sure what kind of workload anybody's going to get. So I have some concerns about Lynn. That's why I can't really justify ranking him higher than seventeenth, but I rank him as high as seventeenth because after you, once you get past that, you you run into workload concerns with, with most everybody. So this can only help because of the supporting cast, I think. But I'm not, I'm not exactly moving him up.
0: Yeah, the workload is probably the best asset that Lance Lynn provides. He just led all starting pitchers with 84 innings pitched in the shortened 2020 season. And I think, at best, it's a neutral move because you might want to knock him down a little bit because he's going from Globe Live Field, which was 22nd in home run park factors, according to ESPN. He's now moving over to Guaranteed Ray Field in Chicago, 7th in home run park factors there, and he did just allow a career-high 42% fly ball rate. So you worry a little bit about that, but he also gets Yasmani Grandal as his catcher. So it's pretty oh, yeah. damn good.
1: That's good. And, and really, yeah. that Rangers lineup was abysmal this past year, and I don't know that... I don't know that it was shaping up to be any better in 2021, so not a bad thing. Now, the guy going back in this deal, and it sounds like it's going to be a couple players. Uh, we don't know the second one yet, a prospect. But Dane Dunning is the bigger name going back to the Rangers, and I actually think, I actually think this is a bigger deal for Dane Dunning's fantasy value than it is for Lance Lins. Because Dane Dunning, if you'll remember when he first got called up here in 2020, he was looking great in terms of missing a ton of bats. His first three starts uh, I just uh, hang on a second. I just lost it. Okay. His first three starts, uh, Dane Dunning had a swinging strike rate of about 18 percent. I mean, oof, it was amazing. But then the last four starts, it dropped to 7%. He was a different pitcher those last four starts than those first three. And there was a dramatic change in pitch selection for Dane Dunning those first three starts versus the last four. Basically, he went from leaning most on his best two pitchers, the four seamer, best two pitches, is the four seamer and the slider, to suddenly he was leaning on the sinker and changeup, which were not his best two pitches. And so it makes me wonder if the if the White Sox really knew what they were doing with him or if this was their effort to okay, you know, you got to you got to get you got to get con- contact earlier in the count so you can go deeper into games. He did go deeper in those four games, by the way, at least the first two of them, but then he started getting hit pretty hard because he wasn't using his most effective pitches as much. So, um I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about Dane Dunning. I worried he was I worried maybe he was getting some bad advice with the White Sox, and uh, considering an organization just went out and acquired him with their best asset, I feel like the Rangers probably have a good idea what they're going to do with Dane Dunning, and I might consider moving him up because he's only he's only sixty sixth for me.
0: Yeah, Dane Dunning, I think we can consider him a legitimate sleeper for fantasy baseball, and there were some things that he did early on. You mentioned that we that we really did like and. Maybe they did want to limit his innings and, and have him pitch more to contact because he was coming off uh, Tommy John surgery, which he had back in 2018 as a member of the White Sox uh, minor league system. And then this was really his debut here in the shortened season. So again, that is Dane Dunning, who I like as a sleeper. Scott, are you willing to go on record and say you like Dane Dunning as a sleeper, late-round flyer? I mean, whatever you want to consider him.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I consider him more of a sleeper now than I did. Like when he first got called up, those first three starts, like I was putting him up there with like Ian Anderson, you know, I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, this guy's this is looking like a big deal, and I just totally soured on him. Uh, but it's so clear with the, the way his pitch selection changed that that you could you could see how maybe he got on the wrong track. So I, I like him more as a sleeper now than I did before this trade.
0: Last thing before we wrap up here in 2021, Scott White wants Lance Lynn as his SP blank. In your rotation. SP3, SP4. Uh,
1: Well, I have him 17th, so for most people that would make him SP2. But for me personally, uh, you know, I want to go heavy on the pitchers at the start, so probably no less than my SP3.
0: All righty. One of our first big moves of the offseason. It's fun. Let's hopefully more things start to happen again. This is the, this is winter meetings all week long, virtual winter meetings. So we could have a very busy week here and uh, we are about to get to, as you'll hear on the podcast, the Rysel Iglesias trade as well. So enjoy the rest of that and enjoy our first look at our head-to-head points mock draft for 2021. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. I drive, center field, hit the wall.
1: Grand slam! This is magnificent. Got a
0: fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball
1: at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where
0: fantasy becomes reality. Now
1: here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and
0: Adam. You know, I feel like I've been a little neglectful towards our head-to-head points league audience, so let's get back on track. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today on Tuesday, December 8th. Frank Stamfel joined, as always, by Scott White. And I would like to especially give a warm welcome to everybody who didn't make their fantasy football playoffs. It's fine. It happens. And Scott, I would argue that if somebody is looking to play fantasy baseball for the first time, a points league is the way to do it. Uh, well, I would
1: agree, especially if you have experience playing fantasy football. It's it's kind of it's kind of fantasy football scoring format that's been adapted to fantasy baseball. It's it's how I got my start playing fantasy baseball. It was my first love and It remains my overall love, at least as far as, uh, I mean, I've gotten into some sim leagues. We were just talking about score sheet before we started recording, and I really do enjoy score sheet. But among among what we think of as
0: fantasy sports specifically, head-to-head points league, that's still my favorite format. And that is my longest-standing home league. That is your 24-team Dynasty League. So, someone emailed recently and said, oh, you need to talk more about Head-to-Head Points League. So, apologies. We'll get back on track. We'll talk about the Points Leagues. Uh, for me, it's just like talking about Roto, there's more strategy involved. So, uh, for Points Leagues, you really just want to draft the players that give you the most points. And we'll talk about that today as we look over the results of our first Head-to-Head Points mock draft that we did this offseason. We did this just last week. Uh, and, of course, we had a trade go down today. So... No more jibber-jabber. Let's jump right in, Scott. Rice L. Iglesias traded to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim for Noe Ramirez. I think I said that correctly. And a player to be named later. Basically, this was a salary dump as Iglesias was owed just over $9 million. Scott, your initial takeaways. Uh, does this matter? Does this change any type of value for Rice L. Iglesias?
1: I don't think it changes his value at all. It It now introduces a closer opening for the Reds when previously there was one for the Angels. Uh, The clubhouse favorite to take the Angels' closer gig was Mike Myers, M-A-Y-E-R-S. There are many Mike Myers in the world, but this one spells his name M-A-Y-E-R-S. And, uh, I mean, 29 appearances last year, he looked like a closer. 210 ERA, .9 whip, 12.9 K per nine. Uh, But the Angels it took them a while to even try him in the role when they were struggling to find a closer all year and uh apparently they weren't ready to commit to it in 2021 either meanwhile the reds uh, I, I mean there there are a lot of closers out there on the market so they could go get a guy but if this was if this was mainly a cost-cutting measure it seems like they'd fill it in-house and they have a couple of pretty good options there lucas sims a former starting pitcher prospect for the Braves. Though he's he's worked the past couple of years in the Reds bullpen and he made he had a breakthrough year last year 2.45 ERA, .94 WHIP, 11.9 K per 9. Numbers about as good as uh as what Mike Myers put up and then there's also Amir Garrett who's who throws left-handed. So that might make him the less likely of the two to step into the role, but He actually did have a save this past year. number's about the same as Lucas Sims, actually. 245 ERA, .93 whip, 12.8 K per nine. And I would say those two are the leading candidates for the Reds and are probably going to just slot. I I mean, Sims specifically, probably going to slot right into where I had Mike Myers ranked going into 2021.
0: Yeah, so my initial reaction was I was actually on the clock in a 15-team slow draft, a roto draft that we have going on. And I took Amir Garrett ahead of Lucas Sims, and I don't know if that was the right choice, but I guess it was probably just a name that I gravitated to. But Eno Saris, of course, from The Athletic, does fantastic work. He was... Tweeting and advocating for Lucas Sims earlier today and looking into his numbers, 100th percentile in curveball spin rate this year, 99th percentile in fastball spin rate for Lucas Sims. You brought up the numbers. Uh, He was pretty impressive, and he was really good in the postseason too. Uh, Two and two-thirds hitless innings with five strikeouts for Lucas Sims. Amir Garrett, these guys nearly had identical numbers, Scott. It's so weird. Amir Garrett, 245 ERA, 093 whip. Lucas Sims, 245 ERA, 094 whip. That's... This is like so random, but they are both very good. We'll see if they give any kind of indication in the offseason which way they're leaning, but most teams... It,
1: it's certainly possible it starts out as like a, a, a platoon or... A,
0: yeah, uh, but most teams time... like to like to use a right-handed reliever as the closer. Yeah, so... Yeah, and I you know how I am with the... Or maybe you don't,
1: but I, my feeling when, it, when, a, when a manager announces a bullpen by committee, a closer by committee, that it's just a matter of time before one guy takes the reins there... And that's mostly proven true. I mean that the Rays seem pretty committed to their committee, and Gabe Kapler' managed teams seem pretty committed to their committees. But otherwise, not so much.
0: For Rysel Iglesias, he was the RP six in Roto this past season, a two seven four ERA, 091 WHIP, eight saves, twelve point one K per nine. He will slot in as the closer for the Angels and likely remain a top ten closer moving forward. Scott, MLB teams were told to operate under the assumption of no universal DH in 2021. My guess is this is just some kind of bargaining chip, and the only reason why they put it out there is to bar to bargain something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> obviously,
1: because well, know. I mean, what else are they supposed to say? Is kind of right. my takeaway from that. Because if the season were to begin today, there's been no agreement worked out apart from what already existed which is no DH in the NL uh, but it's I, I still think it's very likely there ends up being a DH in the NL it, the owners uh, don't don't need to hand the players that without getting something in return I, I know it's been speculated maybe expanded playoffs would be what's given in return and I don't know how I feel about that personally but you know it's, it's I, I would you know I would say 60-40. 60-40. No DH in the NL, but still very likely that there is.
0: Let's make it happen, man. For all those Dom Smith fans out there, let's make it happen. Of course, if there were no DH, that would mean there are less homes for guys like Nelson Cruz and Marcelo Zuna and Michael Brantley, so... Uh, something to pay attention here in the off season. Gio Urshela underwent surgery on Friday to remove a bone chip from his right elbow. He'll need three months to recover, which puts us at the beginning of March. And just going to get something off my chest here as a Yankee fan in general. This is now two off seasons in a row where they could have opted to have people have surgery earlier in the off season, like right as soon as the season ended and opted to wait for some reason. So, just the medical staff with the Yankees and their decision making just continues to baffle me. I don't understand why they waited for this for Urshella and now it pushes it closer to the start of the season in spring training, which is just frustrating, but <laughs> hopefully he'll he'll be okay because he was awesome this year. I know you liked him, Scott, and he's someone that assuming he's healthy, I would like heading into next season as well. So see what uh, happens.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing how like even in this mock draft we did this this head-to-head points league mock draft, I got him. I waited till very late to take my third baseman. I waited till round fifteen. I took Cabrian Hayes, who actually ranked lower than Gio Urshela, but I was kind of banking on this this widespread malaise that seems to <laughs> surround Urshela still among fantasy players. And uh, so I took him right the very next round, round sixteen. Gio Urshela as my utility player, also kind of you know, backing up Hayes at third base in case that doesn't pan out. I mean, Urshela this year averaged 3.17 points per game, head-to-head points per game, 3.17. That is more than Alex Bregman averaged, more than Nolan Arenado averaged, more than Rafael Devers averaged. Uh, It's right around what Kevin Biggio, who we mostly consider... We we mostly think of him as a second baseman, but he is eligible at third base and is right around what he averaged. Uh, 3.21 for Biggio, 3.17 for Urshela. More than Matt Chapman, Urshela averaged. Certainly more than Chris Bryan. I mean, that wouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Yeah, he was up there.
0: I mean, what he did in 2019 carried over to 2020. Uh, More line drives, hitting the ball hard. It all worked out and he's in a really good ballpark and a great lineup to hit in as well. So let's just hope that he's healthy because I don't know why they waited. A few players were posted today when we are recording this uh, from the Yomiuri Giants of Japan's, Japan's Nippon Professional Baseball. They have formerly posted right-handed pitcher Tomoyuki Sugano for major league teams. He is 31 years old this past season. He had a one nine seven ERA 0.88 whip 92 to 93 miles per hour on the fastball with strong spin rates, according to scouting reports and a couple of people projected him as like an SP three SP four in the majors. So uh there could be some fantasy value. The name again to pay attention to Tomoyuki Sugano and then the Kiwoom heroes of the KBO officially posted shortstop Young Kim. And I brought up his name a couple of weeks ago. I don't think you were on the show, Scott. I think th- that was a, a guest filled week, but a lot of excitement about Kim 25 years old, 306 batting average in the KBO this past season, 30 homers, 23 seals, 921 OPS. The home runs and the OPS were both career highs and, He's pretty young, so he's entering his prime. Two names to pay attention to, Sugano and Ha-Seung Kim. Our first head-to-head points mock draft of the offseason took place last week. 12 teams, and of course, the normal rosters in this format. One catcher, one of each infield position, first base, second base, third base, shortstop. Three outfielders, one utility. No middle infield, no corner infield positions. You start five starting pitchers with two relief pitchers, And if you have ever played points leagues before, you know that there are going to be some starting pitchers that have relief pitcher eligibility. We like to refer to those as SPARPs. Scott, any general rules or strategies for head-to-head points leagues just to kind of refresh everyone that you use maybe year in and year out that you use also in this mock draft? Or were you trying something new that you don't normally do? I... Well, I mean, I could, I could continue
1: to hammer home the starting pitcher point that I'm going heavier on that than ever. And I think it's easier to do in this format because it's only a nine-man hitter lineup. And when you're – so that, that means, you know, what is that, 108 hitter spots to fill between the 12 teams. You're only going that deep into the hitter pool. In terms of who needs to be in in somebody's lineup, and and hitters generally, that's not what people stockpile their bench with in this format. They may have one or two hitters on the bench, but normally they're they're stashing starting pitchers there because they want to take advantage of two start weeks. Points format is is uh, more forgiving for that, more forgiving for the volume there that a two start pitcher will give you uh, than than a categories league is. So there's a lot of good hitters throughout the year available off the waiver wire in a 12 team version of this format which means like you're almost cons- I, I feel like in in some of these leagues i'm i'm kind of constructing my lineup on the fly like there may be three or four hitters that remain locked in for me all year but otherwise i'm swapping guys out uh pretty often anyway so why not why not get More uh, at the more from more examples of the asset that you're going to have the harder time replacing off the waiver wire, which is a high end starting pitcher.
0: Yeah, exactly. For me, the same thing for me, just aggressive on starting pitchers always have been in this format. You use less hitters, as you mentioned, Scott, and because of that, it's just shallower and there are more hitters to pop up. Uh, on the waiver wire so yes be aggressive early on in the season whether it's you you play with fab or just first come first serve whatever it might be just be aggressive with those hitters on the waiver wire and hopefully your pitching actually pans out but that's uh, generally been the strategy for me and it was with the first overall pick as well Scott where most people would probably gravitate towards a hitter or a Mike Trout and I even had Scott text me after I made this pick, and he said, Did you really just make that pick? I got to make sure. I had to make sure this wasn't an auto draft. So, for most people, the top three Garrett Cole, Bieber, DeGrom, uh, CBD, in some order, you mm. are going to rank these three. And for me, uh, I do like DeGrom the most in a roto league. But in a points league, Scott, first overall pick, I took Garrett Cole. To me, I think he is the safest in terms of workload of the three. I understand Bieber goes deep into his starts. Uh, He did this season, but Cole has done it for longer. Three straight 200 inning pitch seasons before 2020. So that would be 2017 through 2019. Just a tad worried about the injuries with uh, Jacob deGrom. Um, So for that, I I took Garrett Cole. First overall, Scott, would you have done the same thing? Would you have taken a pitcher? Who would you take? (laughs) Well, if I
1: took a pitcher, it would have been one of the other two, more likely than Cole. Um, But it's certainly possible Cole ends up having the best season of the three. You're you you're definitely going against the consensus there, but I, you're not going out on some crazy limb either. I would say that in this format, those three pitchers are in my top six. Uh, so, you know, technically, number one, I have Trout. And I may have, I may have bets number two, actually. And then the only other hitter I have in that group of six at the top in this points league format is Juan Soto. So, yeah, I I I probably would have gone Trout number one if I went pitcher. It wouldn't have been Cole, but like at least you got one of those six there with the top pick. There, I was I I I actually picked seventh in this draft and wound up with Degrom. So, uh, somebody else went. Away, way I wouldn't have gone with the first six picks for me to wind up with DeGrom at number seven.
0: So part of the reason why I took Coles, because I, I knew that a good hitter would make it back to me at the 2-3 turn. I knew that everyone else would be aggressive on starting pitchers, as was the case. And I just don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable if my first starting pitcher was Jack Flaherty in a points league, which is who I wound up as my SP2 at the 2-3 turn. So it's for that reason. We did uh, one of our podcast leagues. I had the first overall pick, and it was a points league. We did this draft back in July, and I took Christian Yelts first overall. And I had to reach on all these pitchers at the 2-3 turn. I think I took G Leto and Charlie Morton. And like, just like all year, my pitching, I was chasing pitching, and, and it just wasn't great. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? I'm not doing it again. I'm taking a pitcher first overall, and if I actually had this pick in a real draft, I I would use it on a pitcher. Uh, after I took Garrett Cole, Scott, off the board went Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna, Juan Soto, Shane Bieber, uh, and then you mentioned you took J- uh, Jacob deGrom's seventh So, so the one that got it added in there that I –
1: want to include among my top six is Acuna, not in this format. I mean, I have them number one overall in Roto, of course, where you have to pay a premium for steals, where that's a scarcity that you have to buy into, but, you know, they contribute to a player's point total, but there's not that scarcity element in the points league. It doesn't matter if you get any steals at all. So obviously those guys get downgraded some because of that.
0: So Scott, if, DeGrom went in the top six with Bieber, and Acuna was the best player available at seven. Who would you have taken? Uh,
1: I, think, I think I do have Acuna seventh.
0: Okay. But is that what you actually would have done?
1: Well, let me, let me scan through the names here. Yeah, I think so. Fernando think
0: Tatis so. went just after you. Jose Ramirez. Christian yeah. Yelich. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it would have been Acuna for you. Okay. Uh, so right after you took Gram, we mentioned names. Tatis went eighth overall. Jose Ramirez went ninth. Christian Yelich went tenth. Max Scherzer went 11th. And Freddie Freeman went 12th overall to round out the first round. And then in round two, as I predicted, I just a bunch of pitchers fly off the board. So seven starting pitchers go in the second round. And I look back at that draft that we did back in July, head-to-head points league. And there were 11 starting pitchers taken in the first two rounds of that draft. There were 11 starting pitchers taken in the first two rounds of this draft. So not really much has changed. People are still being aggressive in terms of that position. The seven starting pitchers drafted in order. Walker Bueller went 13th. Hugh Darvish went 14th overall. Clayton Kershaw went 16th. Trevor Bauer went 17th. Luis Castillo went 20th. Lucas Gilito went 21st. Aaron Nola went 22nd. Anything egregious with those starting pitchers in round two, Scott?
1: Well, people have been, who've been listening throughout the offseason know I'm not crazy about Walker Buehler this upcoming season with as careful as the Dodgers have been about managing his workload. And like they limited him so hard in this already shortened season where he wasn't going to get many innings anyway. Just wonder how that's going to play out next year. I have him 13th among starting pitchers. I have him behind Jack Flaherty. I have him behind Quinta Maeda and Luis Castillo, who we didn't see go in this second round. So to take him with the first pick of round two. You know, I wouldn't be the guy doing that.
0: Yeah, me neither. I have uh, Walker Buehler outside my top 10 for a lot of the same reasons. I'm not doubting the talent. I mean, The guy is awesome. You watch him in the postseason. He's pumping 99, 100 miles per hour. Getting all these strikeouts. The walks were up in the postseason, which was kind of weird for Walker Buehler. But he looked great. It's just a matter of how are they going to treat him this upcoming season. And the Dodgers just have so much depth. David Price potentially returning, Gonsolin, Dustin May, Julio Arias. So they could afford to be cautious with Bueller if they want to. And you took Cody Bellinger at 18th overall Mm -hmm. in the middle of all those starting pitchers. So your first two picks wind up being uh, Jacob deGrom and Bellinger. You cool with that pick? I mean, if you could change it now, would you? No, I wouldn't. I was worried when I made it. It took me 58 seconds to
1: make that pick. It was (laughs) one of the... I, I deliberated over that one because up next to my rankings was actually Trey Turner who went with the very next pick 19th overall, but like shortstop is without question, the deepest position right now. Yep. Right. And especially in a league like this, where you don't have the middle infield spot, you just have two places you can play a shortstop. I was, I was, re- I was reluctant to fill it within the second round. Um, uh, and, and then hate, hate having to pass up value later at that spot. First base, not a deep position. And with Bellinger, there's the flexibility of moving him between first base and outfield anyway. I think I ended up moving him to the outfield before the draft was over. So I went against my own rankings there, um, which might be reason to revisit the rankings. I don't know. It's a close call either way. Uh, I was worried that come round three, my third pick, there would be a drop off. I would be on the wrong side of the drop off as far as hitters go, and then I'd feel a little worried about making the big investment in Bellinger, coming off a bad year, and having to trust him as like to be this offensive force for me without like a second hitter of that same caliber. But then around three, I got Corey Seager, who I probably like just as much as Trey Turner in this format, where you don't have to you don't have to commit so much to steals. So uh, I, I
0: was happy with the way that turned out. Let's go Dodgers, huh, Scott? You get Bellinger and Corey Seager. All they had to do was take your Braves out, and now you just draft all the Dodgers, huh, Scott? That's it? I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah,
1: I mean, two Dodgers there.
0: And, and, and two
1: hitters in my first three picks, even though you know, I'm stressing the need for to go heavy on starting pitcher uh, in, in this format specifically. If you'll remember the early Roto mock draft we did, it was also a 12-teamer. And I went four pitchers with my first five picks, so here already I have more hitters uh, through three rounds than I did through five rounds in that format. But you know, I did—I wasn't thrilled with the way it turned out in that format. I think I think the number of starting pitchers that I would consider high end went deeper than uh, I was giving myself credit for, than I was giving them credit for in that draft. And so I tried to adjust for that. I tried to get. You know I tried to pay attention to where that drop-off came in the hitter pool. Like I feel like there's probably more than two rounds worth of hitters who could perform like first rounders. And Seeger is on the right side of that, which is why I was thrilled to take him. Um, you know, guys like Alex Bregman, Nolan Arenado, who we didn't see go till round three. Anthony Rendon, certainly in this format, has the potential to perform like a first rounder. So I was trying to capitalize on getting hitters before that drop-off and then going pitcher-crazy after that. So, you know, two of my first three picks were hitters, but then I think I had four straight that were pitchers.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what you did. And it's part of that reason. I mean, the names that you brought up, I love the third round in a 12-team league, the hitters that go in this range this year, Scott. I mean, Bryce Harper, I got at pick 24, so at the 2-3 turn. So I'm okay taking... Garrett Cole first overall, because if I can get a hitter like Harper or Manny Machado went right after him, Rendon you brought up, who was a borderline first-round pick in drafts last year and had dead points leagues, uh, Bo Bichette, all right, there's an argument to be made there, he might be better in roto leagues, but Alex Bregman is great in this format, Nolan Arenado, assuming he's with Colorado, uh, has been pretty damn steady in this format as well. So the third round for me is just filled with great hitters, so I start off my draft with Garrett Cole, Bryce Harper, Jack Flaherty. Absolutely love that. Uh, I did want to ask, since you took Corey Seager and you spoke about why you took him, um, would you be okay if he was your first hitter? So if you started starting pitcher, starting pitcher, would you be cool with uh, Seager as as the first hitter on your team?
1: I wouldn't like it as much as what happened here with him as my second best hitter, especially since I feel like I ended up with Five certainly four great pitchers anyway. But if we get deeper into draft season and it becomes evident in this format that you know people are just selling out for starting pitchers like crazy, I don't want to get left out of that. I don't want to get left out of the starting pitcher rush. That is the position where if you don't, if you don't give yourself enough from the start, I, I just don't think there's any recovering from it without getting extremely lucky with, uh, you know, some clutch waiver picks early in the season. So, you know, part of what happened in this draft, why it worked out for me is only one starting pitcher went in round three because everybody was focused on those hitters before the big drop-off. So you mentioned, what was it, 11 starting pitchers combined in rounds one and two, yep. and then only one in round three. I'm not sure that all head-to-head points drafts are going to play out that way. As some of those hitters that went in round three, there were some reaches there, like Springer, I don't think... He went with the ninth pick of round three. I don't think he's on the right side of that that hitter divide, guys who could perform like first rounders. I wouldn't put him in that group. Uh Vladimir Guerrero. I mean, I guess technically he could, but he hasn't shown
0: anything close to that so far yet. Way too early. I mean, Scott, let's not buy too much into the uh the pictures, all right. Best shape of his life. It's it's December seventh. <laughs> I mean, Vlad still has to make it through Christmas, all right? So yeah. Could have a nice little feast there. Put five pounds on there. New Year's, all right. Maybe parties a little bit with his pops. Get a couple <laughs> drinks in there. Eat some food. There. I mean, come on. Like we have a lot of time before spring training where Vlad can pack on a couple of more lbs. So,
1: and we don't know that. Slow the roll. Losing all that weight is going to stop him from hitting ground balls anyway. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, there were de- there were some reaches. I think we ran out of first round caliber hitters about through the middle of round three here. And so the back end of round three could have been a lot of pitchers. If I was drafting for everybody, that's probably how I would have done it. Mm -hmm. But since it wasn't, I was able to capitalize. And so I'm happy with the way things turned out taking hitters with two of my first three picks. Uh, But maybe as we do more of these drafts, I'll see that's not the best way to go.
0: And the reason why Scott was okay doing that is because he took a starting pitcher in round four, as many people did. Seven more starting pitchers drafted in the fourth round, so that makes 19 starting pitchers drafted in the first 48 picks. I look back at our July draft from last year, well, this year, last season, 23 starting pitchers drafted in the first 48 picks of that draft. Okay, so... Maybe our, once we get into round three and four, people start to focus on the hitters a little bit more. It's something uh, that I'm noticing in this early mock draft. Players that stood out. Zach Ranky, pick 37, way too early. Charlie Blackman, <laughs> pick 38, way too early. Yeah. Jose Barrios, pick 39, way too early as well. <laughs> uh, I, like, I like Barrios. He goes deep at the starts. He'll give you yeah. quality starts. He's fine, but he's just, just kind of boring. Uh, Jose Abreu, my man. He went 40th. I think that's... An okay range for him. I probably won't pay that price tag, but I think it's okay. Mm. Uh, then we saw three starting pitchers go who were not used to see used to seeing drafted in the fourth round, Scott. And that would be Kent Maeda. You took Zach Gallon at pick forty-two. Brandon Woodruff went at pick forty-three. Zach Gallon. Many people had him pegged as a breakout la- uh, heading into twenty twenty. He had nine quality starts in twelve starts this past season. That was tied for fourth in baseball including two where he went into Colorado and into L.A. to face the Dodgers, where he went at least seven innings in both of those. So I think Zach Gallen did break out, and I have no problem with him going in the fourth round. Yeah, I like
1: Kenta Maeda and Zach Gallen a lot more than I like Zach Granke and Jose, Abre- Jose Barrios, who went before them. So, you know, once we got past... Uh, Actually, I have Kenta Maeda 11th in my starting pitcher rankings. I have him ahead of both Jack Flaherty and and Walker Bueller, mostly because of workload concerns coming off the very limited workload both of those very young pitchers had. Um, I have Kenta Maeda ahead of them. So it goes Maeda, Flaherty, Bueller, and then Zach Gallen 14th for me. I was thrilled to get Zach Gallen here. I wasn't... When I made that Corey Seager pick in the middle of round three, I did not have much hope of Zach Gallen lasting to me in round four. So to get him here, um, it worked out great for me. But like I said, I'm not sure I can count on that happening every time we draft for this format.
0: At the 4-5 turn where I was at, I took uh, Whit Merrifield and Tyler Glassnow. So at this point, I have three starting pitchers through the first five rounds. I have Garrett Cole. I have Jack Flaherty. I have Tyler Now to go along with Bryce Harper and Whit Merrifield. Not that Whit Merrifield is some kind of elite hitter, but he's, he's fine for points leagues. He makes a lot of contact. He doesn't strike out. And he has second base eligibility. So if I am going to grab a hitter early-ish in this format, I would like to get one of the more scarce positions, and that is second base. Uh, let's hit a break. Uh, I do have a few more rounds I want to get to, and then I'll have five topics in five minutes with Scott, which... <laughs> New little uh, thing that we're going to try out. Let's see if it actually works. Just want to remind everybody to check out our YouTube page and subscribe. YouTube.com/slash/ fantasy baseball today. You can see Scott's awesome, awesome Christmas tree has this these beautiful. I, I turned on the multicolored lights for you. Beautiful. I don't know multicolored what's going lights on.
1: They they kind of like the blues, kind of overshadowing yeah. all the other colors. Maybe somebody who knows more about cameras or that blue is strong, or man. something. The blue is strong. They, yeah. I don't know. Like it doesn't look that way in person. It, it looks like I just have a Christmas tree full of blue lights, but I, I promise you they're multicolored. It doesn't look as good as the white either way.
0: And, and someone called me out on Twitter and I deserve this. This was a fair criticism. I, I posted a picture of my Christmas tree, fake Christmas tree, only four foot tall. I had to put it on top of a table, Scott. I just got a new, <laughs> I got a new cat. So usually I get a real tree, but we're worried about the cat, uh, you know, knocking the tree down or trying to eat the, the pines off oh, of it and so i was worried yeah. about all that stuff I was like real right.
1: trees real trees overrated anyway i i'm a bit this is this is artificial i mean it's it's it looks all, all right seven feet i think than four feet but yeah it's and, and yeah it's 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 high quality fake needles it's they're, <laughs> they're not the ones that look like paper cutouts you know but but yeah i mean you don't you don't need you don't need to be you don't need a dead tree in your house you know it particularly if you don't go to an actual tree farm. You don't know how long it's been dead (laughs) since you bought it. Like, it might not make it all the way to Christmas, and you're vacuuming up pine needles, and, yeah, the cat's choking on them. Right, Like, it's just, you don't need that.
0: Well, agree to disagree there, Scott, because I I do like the (laughs) the original tree, the smell of it, and I I like the feel for it. Uh, But the reason why I got called out is because I had the multicolored lights on my tree. And I said mm. recently that I prefer the, the white lights yeah. on the tree and yeah. it's classy and it's, it's more Christmas to me. Uh, so I deserve that criticism. Whoever tweeted at me, 100% right. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, the last thing I will remind you is that we have champions league soccer on CBS all access this week. Actually, when you're listening to this on Tuesday, December 8th, you can watch Barcelona at Juventus. And then later on in the week on Wednesday, Bayern Munich, Manchester City, Real Madrid, all in action Wednesday, December 9th. You can watch all of those games only on CBS All Access. Take a break. When we return, we'll take a look at a few more rounds, and then we'll hit on those topics and and just look at our teams overall, how they turned out. Uh, Do we like the way our our lineups turned out, uh, even with being aggressive with starting pitchers? You'll find out here, Fantasy Baseball Today.
1: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring.
0: Eight more starting pitchers were drafted in round five. And this is where you start to see everyone. Oh, I got to get my pitching. After I took Glass now, which I mentioned, Strasburg went with the very next pick at pick 50. Then we saw Hyunjin Ryu, 53, Lance Lynn at 55 to Scott, Sonny Gray at 57, Blake Snell at 58, Chris Paddock at 59, and Charlie Morton at 60. Both of those guys were overdrafted. Uh, outside of. I just want to hit on Snell real quick, Scott. And I brought this up about points leagues with him in the past. Outside of his Cy Young 2018, Snell has struggled in this format. Mostly because the Rays baby him. They don't let him go deep into his starts. They usually have him on some kind of pitch count. He's dealt with some shoulder, elbow issues the past couple of seasons. So I understand why they're cautious with him, but it's because of that, that he's not great in this format, Scott. So I, I don't, this isn't a, Terrible spot to get him, but I, I would devalue him. And I don't think he's really worthy of a top 20 starting pitcher or even 25, honestly, being drafted in this format.
1: Well, I have him 22, but I would feel like I failed if I got Blake Snell as my third starter or higher. I would accept him as my fourth starter. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I don't feel like you can put a lot of confidence in him really in any format, but uh, wins are the most valuable stat that a pitcher produces, both in traditional five-by-five leagues and certainly in a points league. And then in a points league, innings count for something on top of that. So it's really... If, if, he, if he follows the usage pattern he has the past two years, he's probably going to disappoint, no matter where you draft him. Now, there's tons of upside. Of course, he's a former Cy Young winner. And we, we've seen him overcome that In the past, which is why I'm not burying him in my rankings. But like I said, would not want him as even my number three. Uh, So I was pleased here. I actually got Lance Lynn three picks before him. Lance Lynn, I have 17th in my starting pitcher rankings, which means even, even grabbing hitters with two of my first three picks, I ended up with my number two, my number 14 um, my number 17. Oh, you know what? This is only my third starting pitcher, isn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. So three of your okay. top 20, even with taking two hitters yeah. in the first three rounds. Yeah. It's not bad. So
1: Yeah, I, I ended up with a very Blake Snell-like pitcher as my fourth pitcher in round six. But right now I'm only at three. DeGrom, Gallon, and Lynn.
0: Last pick that I just wanted to mention in the fifth round, shout out to uh, Daniel Preciado. I don't know if that's how you say your name, but I hope it is. Uh, Rafael Devers went... Fifty sixth overall. I thought that was a pretty good value. Reunited with his former manager Alex Cora, the, the manager yeah, I, that he broke out under. I think it's. I, I, think a good I value. liked
1: all four of the hitter picks in this round. You had Marcelo Zuna, who, mm-hmm. um, you know, performed at an MVP level. Kyle Tucker, uh, JT Real Muto, Real Muto. I think there's. I think there's actually a much better case to invest in catcher in this format than there is in, in a five by five league. Uh, just because you have so few hitter spots that can contribute. And that's obviously a position where you can position your team to stand out from the rest. It's one of the few where you can in an era when there's so much depth across the infield.
0: Well, Scott, you could just take Salvador Perez like five rounds later and he averaged more fantasy points than JT Real Muto in, in 2020. Not, I mean, not that I have to remind you, obviously, because you know all that. You know all that about Salvador Perez by now. This- I, I, I took him, yeah. Oh, there you I get. took him in this draft. Yeah, like I love both it. of them. Actually, the roto <laughs> one too. I love it. In the sixth round, I am not an Aaron Judge guy, but he went sixty third overall. So just another people are aggressive on pitching. That's gonna push some hitters down the board. Mentioned it with Devers. I think Judge going in the sixth round. That is a calculated risk. Where even with his injury history, I would. That's something that I would be willing to do. And if you're wondering where Zach Plesac and Corbin Burns are going in 2021 drafts. Polarizing players, talked about them a lot down the stretch and already a lot in the offseason. Well, it looks like it might be in the sixth round of 12-team leagues. Plesak went 64th and Corbin Burns went 66th to Scott White. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing I'm guessing you're okay with Corbin Burns as your SP4.
1: Yes, I said I would be with Snell. I have Burns actually ranked one spot ahead of Snell. He's my 21st pitcher. I Similar concerns there with workload and how deep they're going to be allowed to go into games, but... Like I actually actually have more concerns with Snell as far as that goes than Burns. Burns, I mean, the fact that he was converting from relief in the year where no starting pitcher got to handle a starter's workload, really. You wonder how much the Brewers are going to limit him. But in the season that was, they let him go six innings with a fair amount of consistency, which is something the Rays don't do with Snell. So while there may be shutdown periods for Burns in 2021, I do think... I do think start for start, he's going to be more valuable than Snell is.
0: Makes sense. And at the 6-7 turn, I took Kyle Hendricks and Eugenio Suarez. And I actually wrote an article recently, you can find on CBSSports.com, about some of my early draft takeaways. I've done two mock drafts. I've done three other leagues where... You kind of play them out. there like draft and hold leagues. Uh, but things that I've noticed. And so far, I'm aggressively trying to get... This is how you know. I've been doing shows with Scott for a while now. Uh, I've, I'm trying to get four of my top 30 starting pitchers right now. That's kind of the cutoff for me. And then I'll take a few upside shots after that. But... Mm-hmm. To me, uh, Paddock is my SP30, and, and that can change in the offseason, but he's kind of the cutoff for me. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, nice. I have just a few spots ranked ahead of Paddock, so in this draft, I did wind up with four of those top 30 in Hendricks, Glasnow, Flaherty, and Garrett Cole, and I feel very strong about those four pitchers as my top four, so in this it, format. What's interesting
1: is I, I have Paddock as the drop-off, too. But I have him 33rd, so I wonder what three pitchers I'm including that you're not.
0: <laughs> well, we can very easily uh, figure that out. <laughs> we uh, just pull up our ranks here, which I do have up. So you have... Uh, Zach Wheeler? No, I like Wheeler. I have Wheeler at 24. Okay. I'm pretty aggressive on him. And
1: you said Hendricks was in, inside your 30, right?
0: Yes, you have him as well. So you have... Uh, Fromber Valdez? You have Fromber Valdez, you have Dylan Bundy, and you have Jose Barrios. Okay. Those three just ahead of Paddock. Okay. All right. And, you know, looking at this now, I don't have Frambois Valdez inside my top 36, which is a problem. He's got to get in there somewhere. Uh, he'll probably be, yeah, right around Paddock, probably just behind him for me. Um, all right, Scott. So five topics in five minutes. Those are, you can find the rest of the results, and the topics here are also related to the mock draft. So it's not like I'm okay. just completely ditching the rest of this mock draft, but you could find uh, all of the results over at cbssports.com. A few picks that stood out to me and players in general. So I'm going to start the clock right now. I'll read these off one by one. I'll read one, you react, and then I'll read another one, so on and so forth. So starting right now. Sixto Sanchez and Ian Anderson both went in round seven. They broke out in 2020, albeit on limited volume. Uh, they were taken just before you selected Framber Valdez in round seven. Would you have taken either of Sixto Sanchez? or Ian Anderson over Valdez in round seven, if they were available? I would, well, not over Framber
1: Valdez. Mm -hmm. I mean, Framber Valdez, I have on the right side of that divide ahead of Paddock. And actually, Ian Anderson and Sixto Sanchez are the first two on the other side of that. So that's where I see the drop-off. And it's mostly because the, the sample is so small for them. Of course, I have workload concerns, always for young pitchers, but especially coming after off the season where they weren't able to, uh, have much of a workload. I mean, there are questions about Fromber Valdez, the legitimacy of that too. But like Dusty Baker worked that guy; <laughs> he went seven plus six times. He went six plus two more times than that, or I'm sorry, three more times than that. So like, maybe he worked him too hard, Dusty Baker. But regardless, um, you know, I, I think that I think that's a better bet for Fromber Valdez to make a big contribution in this format.
0: Luis Robert went at pick 83 right after Starling Marte. Is this the right range for Luis Robert in a points league?
1: I would say so. Yeah. Uh, I don't have my mixed rankings pulled up, but I I think he's probably going in about that range. I remember when he went thinking, "Hmm, maybe I should have been the one taking him. So I I think that's about right.
0: Lots of upside and excitement over Robert, but of course strikes out a lot. So better off in a roto format than he is in a head-to-head points format glaber torres went 94th overall scott and something i wrote about in that article was the reason i like being aggressive on starting pitchers early is because you can get a lot of bounce back hitters in those middle rounds glaber torres at 94 how do you feel about that
1: uh by the way i have Luis roberts 79th so actually i have him higher than he went yeah i like that for glaber torres I, that that's another reason I was reluctant to fill my shortstop spot early. I would have been fine. You know, I, I think particularly in this format, Corey Seager in the middle of round three was just too good to pass up because I think he's could be an MVP caliber player going forward. But I, if that didn't work out, I would have been happy waiting for Carlos Correa, Gleber Torres, Javier Baez. Those three specifically could be a great value this year because I, I, I
0: really haven't lost any confidence in any of them. Randy Rosarena went at pick 101 just ahead of Michael Conforto, who you selected, Scott. Is this the right range for Randy Rosarena in a points league? I have him a
1: little lower than this. I have him 122nd, so a couple rounds lower. But he's a difficult player to rank. I am. I am trying to be conservative in my ranking of him because, like... 17 home runs is what he ended up hitting between the regular season and post season. And he has speed too. So I don't know. You get up to a number that high in the home run column. It's, it's hard to say that's another Shane Spencer, you know, Shane Spencer. That's a really old reference, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like just the, the fluky guy take, t- going on a tear at the end of the season. And yet, uh, Ar- 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 arena wasn't considered much of anything to be valued coming into the year. So, Definitely has more to prove.
0: Last topic. Mike Soroka had surgery on his torn Achilles in early August. Zach Britton and Adam Wainwright previously had this surgery, and they each returned within five to six months. By March, Mike Soroka will be seven months removed from, from surgery. He went pick 104 in the ninth round. I think we have to start talking about Mike Soroka again, Scott.
1: Well, it's easier to talk about them in this format because strikeouts are only valued half a point for starting pitchers, so they don't matter as much. I mean, obviously, strikeouts say a lot about how good a pitcher is, and so if you're predicting, uh, that's still a good place to look. But what they're actually worth in this format isn't isn't that impactful. Uh, I I actually almost took Soroka the very pick before I took. Conforto in, in round nine, and then the next pick was Soroka. He would have been my sixth starting pitcher in round nine, so not even projected to be in my starting lineup. Um, I ended up taking a pitcher, actually, Sandy Alcantara, the next round, so round 10 instead of round nine. And I think they're they're similar. I mean, Soroka's more proven than Alcantara, but um, you know, probably less than a strikeout per inning, but probably a good workload. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I would have taken him... I think I only like him as a spare pitcher uh, if you're going SP heavy versus somebody you're really going to be counting on.
0: Scott, you failed. (laughs) You went over five minutes.
1: You held it up with 12 (laughs) seconds left, but I just had to finish. I had to wrap up my point on Soroka, so I went over by five seconds, yeah.
0: Nah, that was fair. Close enough. Five topics in five minutes. We'll do that a little bit more here uh, throughout the offseason. Just some quick hitting analysis, but uh, yeah, Mike Soroka also has a new hairdo. He grew his hair out while he was oh, uh, recovering from Because that's
1: that's that's a that's a picture cliche at this point, right?
0: <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, it helped Jacob DeGrom, it helped. Did it? <laughs> Cuz I think
1: he's been at his best since he cut his hair. And that, by the that's way, true, actually. Long-haired Jacob DeGrom, that was a hideous look. Oh. Like that guy didn't know what he was doing with his long hair. Am I
0: right? Yeah, probably not. Cindergard's long hair is pretty hot. But anyway, if you want to see uh, <laughs> S- Soroka's new hairdo, it, it does look pretty good. So he's been throwing it out with the Achilles injury. All right, Scott, let's quickly just compare our teams. Uh, first of all, let's, let's just pit our pitchers up against each other, and I don't know. We'll see who, who we think wound up better. I, I have Garrett Cole. I have Jack Flaherty, Tyler Glass now, and Kyle Hendricks, as I mentioned. I wound up with uh, Aaron Savale as my SP5. So I waited too long to jump back in there. But I also did grab Joe Musgrove on the bench and Jameson Tyone. So I have some upside pitchers that I can hopefully mix in one of those guys' hits and, and have a little SP5 there. You wound up with DeGrom, Zach Gallen, Lance Lynn, Corbin Burns, Framber Valdez. Yours is probably better slightly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I I would say I feel like my six and seven are better than your six and seven, too.
0: Whoa, uh, whoa, 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 Scott. Sandy Alcantara, all right, he's pretty good.
1: He's pretty good. And Dustin
0: May. Dustin May. Is he going to be in the rotation? I don't know.
1: Yeah, he's going to be in the rotation. Come on.
0: Uh, uh, I mean, Scott, I have two Pirates pitchers. You know that (laughs) we are the official show of Pirates pitchers. Not that they'll ever amount to anything because...
1: Oh, yeah, You know, I was especially, pa- I mean, Chris, Chris Towers is the spokesperson for the Pirates pitcher. I think two years in a row.
0: So, yeah. So I don't know how that's going. I'm just so going to keep, we'll just keep passing the baton on year after year and hopefully it'll look, happen. Look, one well, of these you years. got,
1: look, you got the good too. You got Musgrove. I have some enthusiasm for Musgrove. You got Tyone. I have some enthusiasm for Tyone coming back from Tommy John surgery, but you know, I'd rather have them as my 8 and 9 than my 6 and 7, personally. Yeah. All right, it's fine. I mean, of, right. of course, right? Anybody would rather have them lower. But I, yeah. I'm i just saying I invested a little more in my bench pitchers than you did, is yeah, all I'm really just pointing in pi- to.
0: In pitchers in general, you invested a little bit more. All right, Scott, I'll give you this one. <laughs> I'll give you this one, our first head-to-head points mock draft. Um, but again, everybody, you could find the results over at CBSSports.com. We're gonna wrap there for Scott. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching fantasy baseball today. We'll be back again on Thursday. Bye bye.